Broadcasting live from the Great Hall of Starnheim on the plain of Kaldheim, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. We've <laughs> got double Himes today. Joining me is Nelson. Hi there. And Cameron. Hello. And today we are going to be looking at part two of the Kaldheim Real World Origins and a bunch of new magic news. The news is coming fast and furious these days, but we wanted to at least wrap up the Kaldheim Mythical Origins again before we get too deep in on it. A reminder before we begin, of course, that the show is brought to you by Card Kingdom, who we think are great, which is why we keep working with them. Go to cardkingdom.com slash LRR. That gets our little code on there. And they will ship you singles anywhere in the world and very, very quickly and sealed product anywhere in the U.S. Uh, you can pre-order Time Spiral Remastered right now. So you should you should do that. The current button at the moment is it was a it says mute, but it's like it's got the text from all the arena emotes like piled up in a massive cloud, and it just says mute over top of it. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Always a good play. Yeah. Yep. Every time you flop your card, and your opponent's like, "Good game." Yeah. Really, if they say "good game" at all, might as well mute them. I like when you just start casting normal spells, and they're like, "Nice." It's like, I guess. It's, Oops. It's just a two draw. I mean, the good news about nice is that you get to say thanks, and then you feel like you're both a magic player and a Canadian. Indian, so that yeah. if they, at least if they're spamming nice you get to spam thanks back you just play some random two drop like the lore seeker and they're like oh nice and you're like thank you i'm gonna start nicing my opponent's land drops <laughs> just so that just so they get the opportunity to say thanks and let's do that for a week and see if i feel worse or better oh look at you playing a mountain nice 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 choice of art for that mountain the show is also brought to you by you and you are nice we don't know why <laughs> by supporting our <laughs> patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run all right so three episodes ago was part one of this if you missed that you probably want to go back and check it out because there's a lot of context in that episode that was a lot of sort of setup and world building and broad strokes of the real world myths and folklore that inspired the top down design of the cards in Kaldheim. And then we started going into some individual cards in specific, and we're going to pick up where we left off with cards in the letter C. And we're going to talk about talk about some of that. And a reminder, this was provided by listener Trolls, who put together a big old list of information because they know a lot about it. And it's a big, big area of interest for them. And I really appreciate your help with that. So we're going to Start off with Kosima, God of the Voyage, slash the Omen Keel. And Troll says that the closest analog is Njord, God of the Sea, who's being both, you know, blue and sea related. We know from the web fiction that the Omen Seekers pray to Kosima, so we can probably assume that Kosima is the helpful version of a sea god, which the actual Norse sea god is not. Traditionally, I think mm. sea gods are not generally friendly folks, at least certainly not in Greek myth either. Yeah, they're uh, kind of like arbitrary. Sometimes they just kill you because they they feel like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really supported in like at least my own and probably most people's instinctual response to water. Like any body of water bigger than my hand, I just fear and respect. Yeah, that's reasonable. And the omen keel draws on the long practice of giving ships awesome fancy names for example or murin langi or the long worm which was a real ship the real life norwegian king olaf Trygvason's famous long ship now this it's mentioned that the ship pictured on the card has two sails and if you want to be strictly accurate it should only have one sail trolls also points out that both the omen keel and the raiders carve find new land yes i enjoyed that a lot like hadn't actually picked up on <laughs> 
that's really cool. I like that They're a lot. They're exploratory ships, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Norse people were like real-life big-time explorers, right? Yeah. Got that uh, Canadian heritage moments. It's all about how there was, you know, blonde Vikings in Newfoundland long before there were Europeans. Yeah. Next, we're going to take a look at Cosmos Charger, presumably inspired by Sleipnir, which was Odin's eight-legged horse, the fastest horse ever, and it, and it can fly. Yeah, it can fly too. <laughs> It just can fly. In the myth, Sleipnir is the offspring of a Jotun's enormous workhorse and Loki in the shape of a mare, which I guess means Loki would have given birth to it. Sounds like it. So that's a neat trick. Loki gets up to a lot of shenanigans. Cosmos Elixir is a stand-in for Iden's golden apple of youth, which has a similar effect because the the elixir doesn't make the gods immortal it just extends their life and if you lose the elixir then eventually you'll just die to normal damage the craven hulk which i just love as a card the giant coward decent draft pick too it's good i like I like i like craven hulk mechanically as a card but also just like the art of the you know it took a while to be like wait what is actually the art here and it's this big sort of stone giant hiding behind the mountain peak with the goat on it i need you i need you for support that's my emotional support goat <laughs> yeah the the reference here is that a jotun named hrungners was having a duel with thor and so the jotnar created a fighting companion for him which was a giant made of clay named Mokrakalf, who was nine miles wide and three miles tall <laughs> 25 tons of american pride yeah and when they'd finished making him, no Jotun was willing to give up his heart to give life to the inanimate being, so they took the heart of a mare. And so for this reason, the giant trembled in fear whenever Thor approached. Can I back this story up one more time? Sorry, the Jotun was going to duel Thor, but then instead of dueling Thor, they had to make a like a golem, essentially, to duel Thor. A fighting companion? Fighting companion. Okay, so, yeah. all right, all right. Seems like so much work to make the thing, but... Yeah, nine miles wide? Maybe it's even more work to fight Thor. Twelve foot tall? effing killing for fun six foot 20 thank you thank you it's been a while since i've heard the george washington song next up we have divine gambit which trolls mentions is not the effect that's significant it's the art because board games were popular in scandinavia and relevant to the mythology the gods playing chess-like games is used as a metaphor pretty often for them controlling the world and after ragnarok the gods in a literal sense pick up the pieces lying in the grass and keep playing the game neat so that's very cool yeah cool Dread Rider could be an allusion to the Wild Hunt, which is Germanic in origin, but not mythical. This is more in the folklore realm. And the Wild Hunt, you might be familiar with it, referenced in the title of The Witcher, right? The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. It's a band of supernatural riders that gallop across the sky, often led by Odin or an Odin-like figure. So just sort of like spiritual knights i feel like seven toughness is a big deal but i haven't played this one yet i think in practice like in draft it's f f fine I, I you you don't want to have to be running it but i i think i think this one's better in sealed because it's just like a big wall it's very expensive for what it does and then you can like kind of drain them i don't know i have lost a game to it but i would rather not play it if i could avoid it i feel like also if it's supposed to represent the the wild hunt i mean it's yeah it's definitely below a tree and doesn't fly but also it doesn't like do anything kind of adventurous or impressive it's just this wall that sits there and like probably pings your opponent to death speaking of death we have egon god of death which which the god of death would have been hell 
but trolls largely points this out because in, he says in Denmark, no one will be able to take this person seriously because Egon is a very mundane, non-threatening name in Denmark. Kind of like if, you know, Hank, God of yeah, death. Yeah, exactly. I am Bruce, the almighty, etc. Yeah. Now, Essica the other hand, is a stand-in for a couple gods, Freya and Idun. Freya because of the card Essica's chariot, which is being pulled by two cats, just like Freya's chariot. And Idun because Essica brews the Cosmos elixir, which keeps the gods eternally young, and that's what Idun does with the golden apples. So this is sort of a combo god. Hmm. The prismatic bridge is Bifrost, which is the rainbow bridge that connects the realms, also seen in the Marvel movies. The funeral longboat is classic Viking boat burial, although it's pointed out that this lacks one of two things, the boat actually being buried in a grave or being set on fire. Yeah, I feel like this would have been wild if you had to exile a creature from a graveyard to pilot it, and then it died at the end of turn. I don't know how that's even remotely good. <laughs> seems like a very bad card, but maybe I love it. Maybe it could have more power and toughness. Maybe, maybe it could be bigger, yeah. This would have been like a Fallen Empires kind of card, I feel. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe in Legends. It would have made a ball lane. Like, yeah, you light the boat on fire and you send it down the river at your opponent and then, you know, everything dies. I think we assume from Return Upon the Tide that in Kaldheim, this is what they do. They put them in the boat and they just let the boat go out to sea. But yeah, in real life, they either set the boat afloat and lit it on fire or they just buried the entire ass boat. <laughs> I hadn't heard of burying the boat before. That's cool. Yeah, there's one of the most famous Saxon burials that's been unearthed, which is not quite not quite Viking, but it's, you know, like when they came from Scandinavia over to what is now the UK, the Sutton Who burial. The little mustache? Yeah, the helmet with the mustache. I love it. This, this massive boat that was found in in like the middle of England somewhere in like a field. And uh, yeah, it's just a whole boat, which seems like such a pain to bury an entire boat but here we are is there any truth to the like beginning of the 13th warrior where they like throw a maiden onto the ship while it's burning i don't think so all right that's not mentioned here but that sounds like bs it very well may be i am yeah. just quoting a, like you know okay hollywood movie here yeah no oh i was don't worry i wasn't holding you personally responsible for the 13th warrior okay cool i will, I will continue crushing on antonio banderas over here oh yeah no please <laughs> finn the fang bearer is almost certainly a reference to thor's feud with jormungandr he once went fishing for the serpent and their fight ended without a clear winner as thor's companion was frightened and cut the fishing line thor and jormungandr were bitter rivals and are destined to take each other's lives at ragnarok this interpretation is supported by how finn is described in nico's web fiction the showcase art for this card and coma's card so it's like they're this guy and the serpent so it's not saying finn is thor but like this is a reference to like the 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 feud between finn and coma is referencing the feud between thor and jormungandr finn is thor got it yep sure go for it yeah. <laughs> that's right the gates of istfel now i think we talked a little bit about some of this uh, previously uh, the gate is less significant to the real mythology as as much as the wall so in the early days the gods were dealing with regular jotnar attacks and they hired a builder himself to build a wall around asgard and the builder demanded the sun and the moon as well as freya's hand in marriage as payment we did go through this last time but just as a refresh at loki's behest the gods agreed but on the condition that the wall be finished within three seasons and that the builder had no help other than from his horse Svaldefer. so they thought the task impossible which seems silly it's like no guys we, we actually do need this wall though and they're like it's okay we'll just give the contractor demands that they can't possibly do it in time but no but we need the wall anyway 
With the help of the horse, it looked like the wall would be finished on time. So since Loki got the gods into the mess, he was asked to get them out of it. So shortly before the deadline, and when only the gate remained to be built, Loki took the shape of a mare and lured the helper horse away. And unable to finish the wall, the builder was instead paid a swift blow from Mjolnir. And uh, that's how we got that horse. That's why Loki was disguised as a mare. Ah. So... Man, the gods are jerks. Yeah, I'm learning a lot about this mythos by doing this. I tell you what. Giant ox. Now, <laughs> oh good. <laughs> probably here because God, look at this lad. It's probably here because there is a significant ox in the mythology, which is Audhumbla. She plays a role in the creation of the world. The primordial Jotun Ymir, from whose corpse the gods fashioned the world, lived off of her milk. And she also licked a salt stone for three days until a man called Buri sprang forth from it, and he was the grandfather of Odin. Okay. So in Kaldheim, this is just a big ox. But the fact that there is a big ox in the set is probably a reference to Adhumbla. Adhumbla. Halvar, god of battle, be a reference to Tyr, more commonly known as the god of battle and warfare. Although Odin is often called upon for victory in battle and Thor for strength. But if this is meant to be Tyr, of course, he's got one too many hands because we talked about the binding of the monster and Fenrir and Tyr lost one of his hands to to Fenrir. But according to, according to trolls anyway, if you were going to make a magic card that was literally tier then it would definitely be white so that that fits and specifically so does buffing other creatures if they remember to bring their weapons okay yeah 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 the sword doesn't have any specific reference this is a funny note that I think is entertaining on Hengegate Pathway, because uh, Troll says, as near as I can figure, the word henge is like not a Norse thing. It's more of a, like a like British stonework that actually predates the Viking Age. There are stone formations in Scandinavia that I guess you could call henges. Like there's stone ships, which are they're stones laid in a ship formation that encircle a burial site. But there's not, strictly speaking, a henge in Scandinavia but I, now I know what henges are. Stonehenge is kind of redundant as a name because they're all made of stone. Got it, got it. You need stones to make the henge, don't you? Yeah. Icebreaker Kraken. So Krakens are part of Scandinavian folklore, not the mythos. Trolls figures that's why they survived Christianity because they're folklore and not not God-related. So yeah, because we, we talked for the Theros episode about how it's like, well, this Kraken, not Greek... <laughs> Hmm. But hey, Krakens, now now at home in Scandinavia. This was also, it was previewed by the Seattle Kraken ice hockey team. Oh, that's right. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. it was great to see. The Invasion of the Giants, I, I mentioned because there was no singular Invasion of the Giants. The, the gods just dealt with Jotun invasions like all the time. <laughs> just constantly until they built that wall. Every week at Friday at 7 p.m. on uh, PBS or whatever, right? All of the Forsaken, I mention only because uh, fans of Skyrim will know that uh, Jarl is a noble title, lower than king. It's the equivalent of, of an earl. And so it's kind of weird that there's just one, there's only one Jarl in the whole set. And it's just like some guy, some zombie. So it's <laughs> a little weird, but anyway. He's like a zombie assassin too. He doesn't like make tokens or, you know, hold, hold others in fealty under him. Just yeah. just comes in and kills your dude. Yorn, god of winter. There's not really a clear analog for this. Apparently the closest thing to a god of winter is probably Skadi, the Jotun woman who married Njord, god of the sea. And she's associated with the mountains and winter. So Yorn could be a reference to her. Is Yorn the new sexiest like male-figured magic card? I don't know. Has Yorn upended Oko? It's got to be up there. 
Yeah. Different energy. God of cold times or no, there's certainly a warm place near him. Cole, the forge master. We talked about how there was a lot of dwarf mythology that was created or amplified by Tolkien, but I, I, I hope I was also clear. A lot of people were correcting me on that point that I, I might have made it sound like it was a wholly Tolkien invention, which it's not. The, the dwarves were in the folklore and the mythology were amazing craftsmen and made lots of interesting things. The direct inspiration for this would probably be Brook and Etri, the forgers of among other things, Mjolnir, Draupnir, a ring, which we'll talk about later, and the spear Gungnir, which was Odin's uh, spear. So that's definitely a thing. Koma, Cosmos Serpent. We already talked about Koma a little bit, or rather we talked about Jormungandr, or the Midgard Serpent, the serpent that encircles the world and bites its own tail when he's not busy having <laughs> super sweet flavor. If you've cast this card, if you've been lucky enough to cast this card on Arena, you will have seen the animation for it which is mm -hmm. the serpent completely encircles the, the battlefield. Yeah. And it's very cool. Completely encircles your monitor. Yeah. According to Trolls, the real flavor win would have had this be a double-sided card with a cat on the back because <laughs> apparently once Loki challenged Thor to lift Loki's cat because surely the strongest of the gods could accomplish that, except no, because the cat at that time was actually a shape-changed Jormungandr. This cat is unusually wiggly. Yeah. That we can learn anything at all about these gods when they just like are in a different shape every day. The Pyre of Heroes, Viking Funeral Pyre, very on brand. One of several ways that your body could leave the world. We already mentioned the you know burial mounds and the ships setting them on fire or burying the ships or the stone ships that I mentioned earlier, but also you can build a funeral pyre. I already talked about Raider's Carve a little bit. A carve is a type of longboat able to navigate shallow water. It's so shallow, like the keel of it is so shallow that once the keel hits the shore, then it's shallow enough to jump off and walk. Okay, okay. Really good for getting getting right up close. Yeah, I imagine yeah. it's also pretty quick to get on and off, right? So that's mm -hmm. that's why it's the getaway bus. We talked a lot about things turning into birds. Uh, bird form is sort of very popular in the myth. Raven form, the card, just sort of, you know, that's 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 very on point. Just Things turned into birds a whole lot. Ravenous lindworm. Now we talked a little bit before. So this is a Norse dragon, essentially. They're wingless, sort of like a large snake serpent with a dragon's head. It, it spews venom and bile and its blood is poisonous and it often guards treasure because we talked about dragons and how there are two dragons in the set but dragons the big winged dragons like wingspan dragon that's not really a norse thing this is more sort of what they had they had they had lindworms apparently the life gain is an odd choice death touch would have been more flavorful also it had been way less irritating for the aggro decks that i run i guess they probably decided they were going to print drag dust at common in this set first and then tacked on you know some sort of appropriate flavorful beast second <laughs> yeah so Redain is a sort of, it's a Valkyrie god. So there's no actual real counterpart there. You could argue there's a bit of Freya in there because she receives half of those fallen in battle in her halls at Folkvanger, but that's sort of not really much else to go on, considering there's already a Freya kind of in the set, and the shield doesn't really have a have a direct reference either. So I love this next one, replicating ring. This is so cool. So I mentioned Dropnir, the dwarf forged ring that belongs to Odin, and once every nine nights, the ring. So it's called Dropnir 
which sounds much like the word drip, because once every nine nights, it drips off eight identical rings. But those rings don't, those rings do not multiply. And so this is like, this is completely the flavor of of the actual myth, which is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing that like, you know, even something so niche, like something so precise as like an artifact could have, you know, a very exact port over to magic cards. So mm -hmm. yeah, well done, R&D, I guess. And also trolls for explaining that one to us. Thank you. Run ashore is kind of fun because running ashore was not really a huge issue for Vikings because they often even took their boats ashore on purpose to portage them over land, though I presumably they did not call it portage. And even if they lost a ship, they were really good at building them so they could just build a new one for the voyage home, which kind of works here because the ships aren't destroyed, right? They just, it's like, we're just gonna put you on land for a moment and then you can get it back in the sea and you'll, you'll be setting sail again soon. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Sarulf, Realm Eater. So we've already talked about Sarulf a, a bit when we were talking about Bind the Monsters, or Bind the Monster, pardon me, singular monster, is Fenrir, or the Fenris Wolf. Uh, the colors make sense. Green is the obvious color for a wolf, and black hints at the wolf's role during Ragnarok. And Ulf means wolf. The idea that the wolf slowly grows to an enormous size is great, because again, we talked about the gods got Fenrir as a pup, and we're like, oh, he's adorable, let's have an office dog, and then he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they bind him with the chain, and then during Ragnarok, he swallows the sun and the moon, and so, you know, it's just the dog gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then destroys everything. I, I, I remember now what this reminded me of, and it's all those stories about people buying a potbelly piglet, <laughs> yeah. and as it turns out, they did not buy a miniature pig. Oh, no. No. It was just it was just a regular piglet that steadily grew into like 800 pounds of pig that has been trained to sit on people's lap mm -hmm. and couch. Oof. Showdown of the Scalds. Trolls says, I don't know about the word showdown. That's sort of an aesthetic preference. But Scalds, who we mentioned were poets, would often compete against one another to see who could come up with the best poems on the spot. It these these were rap battles freestyle rap battle yeah literally yeah yeah dope yeah not quite sure how that works like mechanically with the card perhaps the impulse draw refers to improvising poetry and the plus one plus one counters of the warriors being strengthened by the song maybe or maybe that's the scald's salary for composing a good poem i don't know but anyway this yeah this is a rap battle and that's that's great i kind of like the idea of the, the flavor here being like you know you exile four cards and those are sort of the general notion you have about your opponent in the rap battle or what you're going to boast about about your own accomplishments or whatever you're going to rap about and then the like getting the plus one plus one counters onto your creatures in you know the best order or whatever is is the execution like that's because that's kind of resolving the second and third triggers on this card is like it takes a little bit of you know surgery sometimes i mean sometimes it's just a whiff or whatever or sometimes it's just it doesn't matter how you do it it's totally broken but sometimes you need to like assemble you know three three power creatures so that you can attack with them the following turn or, or that turn or whatever mm -hmm. yeah it's also just like your crew going wild yeah <laughs> that makes sense too yeah the boys hooting and hollering yeah mm -mm. Uh, turgrid god of fright is probably hell goddess that's uh, with a single l goddess of the underworld that is also called hell the fun flavor here is that hell is the afterlife for those who did not die in battle and if you are sacrificing a magic card it is not dying as a result of combat damage so that's why she cares about it oh okay i like that that makes a lot of sense to me yeah that's great uh, the lantern is not a specific reference but she's cool 
The Blood Sky Massacre, the notes I have here say, we know that this is a massacre of humans by humans in violation of the law. If there's a direct inspiration for this, it's probably one of the devastating family feuds that plagued Iceland for centuries, similar to the vendettas known from Sicily and Corsica. The, the interpretation is supported by the fact that Bretigard seems to be based mostly on Iceland. We talked about the realms last episode, or part one of this, rather. And the most well-known massacre is probably the slaughter of Njal and his sons in Njal's saga. I thought I was told it was print. That's the one I've I've read. I've read a couple of them, but that one is really good if you if you're at all into Icelandic sagas. And the friend of mine who's like a Uvic prof that lent me the book, I thought he said it was pronounced Njaldol, even though it's just like two L's at the end. Like there's supposed to be this like secret extra syllable. Totally random. But yeah, spoilers. So if you're gonna read the saga, just mute me for ten seconds. They burn him alive in his house. It's brutal. Wow. Along with his family. Yeah. Can you recommend a translation? No, I just like picked up whichever one. It was it was in English, but there's probably been a few, right? Yeah, I'd imagine so. But yeah, this, these sagas are crazy. Like, the, you know, you're talking about these feuds and they go like back and forth through generations. And you read about like these people's like cousins and then their children. And like, you know, you find out that like you're living next door or something to someone who killed your like great grandfather's cousin's best friend. And so then you have to like show up at their house and like knock on their door and tell them you're going to fight them. And yeah, it's wild. End rant. <laughs> The trickster god's heist. Loki was involved in a number of adventures that could potentially be called heists. There's there's a couple. His rescue of the goddess Aiden and her apples of youth from the Jotun Thazi, because he did that all by himself. But also Thor and Loki's trip to get Mjolnir back from the Jotun Trim is a good candidate. He wanted Freya's hand in marriage for return of the stolen hammer. And so Loki's plan was to dress Thor in drag and send Thor instead. And it worked. <laughs> Bad for Trim. Mm. The art seems to indicate that Valky is stealing the Tyrite sword and while Loki did get like lots of neat dwarf forged gifts for the gods that those weren't like heists strictly speaking but also this is not actually Valky this is Tybalt so who can say mm. the world tree it should be legendary but there's mechanical reasons why they didn't make it legendary but yes this is Yggdrasil the world tree the gathering all the gods this is you know the fact that you get to go go get all the gods and bring them together this is great this is where the gods hang out and like there's some sort of connection between Bifrost and the world tree too right it's like this is the world tree like the bifrost you know exchange or is it located nearby mm, yeah like the central hub yeah i gotta take the bifrost from bredegard change the world tree for yeah. the Immersturm line take the yeah. second left yeah exactly get in the right lane so that you can get in the clover leaf mm -hmm. toralf god of fury here is your thor good old good old thor here right mm -hmm. lightning mm -hmm. makes sense most interesting of course is Toralf's hammer, which has the ability where you can unattach it or throw it, and then it comes back to its owner's hand. It's very cool. You, mechanically, it doesn't have the like only the strongest can pick it up because that would just be like a pain. But you know, maybe, maybe there's a cool thing that they could have done with like I don't know, only legendary creatures could have it equipped but i think that would have just made it a worse card yeah there's already so many words in this card but it's really good i like both sides of it i, I managed to get it in draft once and yeah I, I couldn't by the end of the draft i couldn't figure out if there's a always always best way to play it like you you either want one side or the other entirely dependent on the board state mm -hmm. interesting fact about mjolnir that i didn't know is because trolls has only one gripe on torolf's hammer which is that the handle's too long 
You ever notice that Mjolnir has a really short handle? I, I mean, had not noticed that, but I could, uh, yeah, I could see it. I have a like fake plastic one that came from some Marvel movie promotion that I have around my keys. So the whole thing is really short. For the for the size of the head of the hammer, it ought to have a longer, I think, I think it's supposed to be two-handed. Anyway, the point is Loki tried to sabotage it being forged. And so the final result was like, well, we got the hammer, but you know, the handle's kind of stubby, but Thor didn't care because he's like, ah, whatever, I can lift it. Are we going to have notes for Orvar the all form? No. Yeah, that seems... Mm-hmm. That seems only slightly more likely than notes for Vorinclek's Monsters Rider. Just going back alphabetically, when I missed for Sigrid, God-favored, the just note here is that this is an actual Nordic name rather than like a fantasy made up one. It roughly translates to Victorious Rider. Yeah, that's certainly what you're going to be if you get to cast this in draft. You're going to be victorious. Yeah. Unless you do what I do, did and fail to read the card. Oh, oh. no. Did you think it just happened? It, you, you missed the like attacking or blocking clause? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Oof. Oops. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Good game. Spam's good game refuses to concede. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think we need to talk anymore about Valky because we've talked extensively about how Valky is Loki. And I I do like that we have Valky, the god of lies, who himself, even to the other gods in Kaldheim, is a lie because it's actually Tybalt in disguise. I think that's great. And then we will wrap up with Vega the Watcher. And uh, Trolls says, if Norse mythology has a legendary bird that sits around watching things, it is the eagle that sits atop Yggdrasil. Vega is an owl, but that's fine because it doesn't need to be. (laughs) Owls are sweet they're both mythical birds of prey exactly wait no they're not myth owls are real (laughs) owls are real (laughs) i gotta go don't go outside (laughs) i need to go save my family does anyone have any boards and nails So uh, that's sort of the, the the big hits from all of these notes that uh, Trolls very kindly provided. And I, I thank you so much for doing so. This was a blast. I, I learned a lot and I hope that uh, you listening at home did as well. Thanks very much, Trolls. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait to do one of these episodes about Lord of the Rings? Question mark? Oh, boy. We're transitioning into talking about magic news now. But can you wait for me to do one about 40K? You'd better. Yeah, really. I'll, I'll have to go to my parents' house and dig my old Rogue Trader books out of <laughs> out of the crawl space. <laughs> I like the idea of doing one of these episodes where it's like, here's the origins of the cards that we see. And there are new magic cards that are a spinoff on these other fancy titles. You know, the way that we take the real the real mythos of Scandinavia and then like turn it into call time. Right. Like like what if magic Middle Earth? So it's like a bunch of like not actually Gandalf and Frodo, but other cards that seem like it. Sorry. Hella tan- hella tangent from me. <laughs> Definitely going to do a Warhammer episode. So to fill everybody in, a bunch of news came out this week from Wizards of the Coast. One is the introduction of Universes Beyond, which is what they are calling collaborations with intellectual properties and brands beyond magic and D&D. And the Walking Dead secret lair is sort of being like retroactively sort of looped into this. It's like, yes, that that was technically the first one. As as we suspected at the time, we sort of talked about that. that we're like, there's going to be more stuff about this, but hopefully it makes more sense than Walking Dead. And you've, you've already heard us talk about it, but like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, you know, sure, that kind of tracks. Warhammer 40k? I mean, heck, why not? I, yeah, why why not? I mean, we had God Godzilla. I don't yeah. Know, like so the what they what they announced in specific was Warhammer 40k commander decks. I don't know how many. 
I, cause I didn't see the, I think it was an investor call or a press release or something. I don't actually know exactly how many commander decks and also an entire Lord of the Rings inspired set, which is, which is a lot. Yeah. Drafting yeah, Nazgul. The universes beyond cards will not be standard legal, but that's all they've said. So anything beyond standard, I guess they're fair game. So maybe the LOTR set will be like a master set kind of. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess. The Forgotten Realms set, that's not part of this. That because that's still a Wizards of the Coast thing so universes beyond is for they say for worlds outside those built by wizards of the coast okay and they also answered what it's a question i hadn't even really considered is the forgotten realms now canonically part of magic's multiverse and the answer is no currently that could change but right now the answer is no okay fair enough Fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very like I mean, I'm a 40k nerd. I'm a Warhammer nerd. I I come and go with it, but I'm really happy about this, I think. I mean, it's a whole new place for everyone to just play Space Marines all the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you rolling? Oh, I I I have an Ultramarines list. Oh, how nice. But, you know, I I was thinking last night like what would be the color identities for everything? Right, and the joke would be that everyone would have like a tinge of every everything would be splashing black for the grim dark <laughs> right but you know i i could easily see a world where like you have a robot gilliman deck that is mono white right maybe with like an additional like substitution commander that is marnius calgar and then the black deck would be abaddon and the 13th black crusade or one of the one of the demon primarchs and the red deck would be gash skull you know it would be the orc deck and the blue deck would be the eldar and then the green deck which represents nature and the power of the natural world would i guess be the tyranids but they don't really have like a flagship character just mm. called the hive mind i guess Are the tyranids kind of like the zerg or like the aliens from alien uh the the tyranids are an extra galactic super predator that it is it has been heavily implied are here to eat both the astronomicon which is the psychic beacon set up by the 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 emperor that allows humans to navigate in the warp and might also just be here to eat the eye of terror which is the vast real world overlap with the warp caused by the psychic birth pains of the chaos god slanesh they're, they're warped. i followed they, that <laughs> they eat psychic stuff okay right okay. the tyranids seem to eat psychic stuff and these are just two enormous like psychic presences in the universe so you know it took them a while to get here but they're here otherwise they're 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 bugs they come around they eat all of your planets and uh, then they make more bugs no adequate defense against them has yet been found okay although one inquisitor did bank shot several hive fleets into orc space and therefore solving both problems for all time because those are both two two cultures that don't get stronger through conflict okay so i can't wait for this episode <laughs> yeah yeah that was just me shooting spitting from the hip yeah no i've got i've got books imagine what we can do if we give them a week to prepare <laughs> yeah give me a week to prepare and i'll write it up the night before <laughs> i mean so obviously you know you're a fan of 40k i i like lord of the rings like is this is this sweet or is this the end of magic as we know it because uh, there's only two options right you've seen right. the internet yeah no i mean like sure i i assume that at some point i'll be giving ramirez de pietro a bolt gun i i don't to a certain extent, like the suspension of disbelief in magic is a lot of fun, right? We all enjoy the fiction. We all enjoy the background, the lore. We enjoy the narrative of the game. And bringing in other things that don't fit with that is a little silly. But it's a silly game, right? I'm okay with it because I'm not <laughs> invested with it as a, a coherent and and sacrosanct universe it's it's a card game about wizards 
summoning monsters and somehow drawing their magic from the land. I don't know why it's not all green then, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll blank that. Now I'm actually kind of curious what land in the 40k commander decks will look like. Anyway, it doesn't bother me, right? Like it doesn't bother me. It's a little silly or a little like above the standard level of silly, but I mean, I'm kind of here for it. That also comes from a place as someone who really likes Warhammer. Mm. Right. So I assume if you have no idea what this is and somebody just like, you know, cyclonic missiles, I don't know, uh, your questing beast. Yeah, your questing beast. You're going to be like, this sucks. This is stupid. I hate it. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. Is there a Warhammer 40k character or army that if it doesn't get the treatment you kind of are hoping for, you'll be like super despondent? Like, are they going to ruin the 40k for you aside oh. from ruining magic no 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 if games workshop hasn't ruined 40k for cameron i don't think wizards can oh <laughs> 40k has this beautiful thing where anytime they put out any kind of fiction for it they can just say everything in this universe is an unreliable narrator right hmm. like we are looking at this universe not as people living within it but as people looking on it from the outside seems to be like their fairly consistent perspective and the people living on the inside of this universe don't have a, an objective viewpoint of it. So, you know, if they say something works this way, that's what they think, right? And they've gone back and forth on this quite a lot, right? You can see it with the orcs, who in some eras of the fiction, their technology only works because they believe it should work. And it's a like a psychic field that they have where their guns fire because they believe they should fire, right? They look sufficiently gun-like, so there are guns now. But if somebody were el else to pick them up, they were like, this is a handle on a can of Pringles. This does nothing. Well, hopefully it shoots Pringles into my mouth. Yeah. And in other eras of the game, they have been like, no, the orcs are actually intelligent. They aren't clowns, right? They're, there's a black comedy element to the orcs, but you know, it's it's a dangerous underestimation of their abilities to say that they don't understand how their own technology works. And I enjoy both of those angles on it. And I enjoy that it's a universe where they can go back and forth on that, right? I mean, if that's already set up, it sounds like a pretty clean way for them to break the fourth wall and the magic cards and just be like, aha, sweet. We've been summoned to this other plane. We were, we were, we were waiting for this. Of course, we'll go in and kill the enemy's craw worms for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this should settle like one of the great. What's the subreddit? Is it just who would win? Sure. Where yeah. you can kind of like anytime anyone is like, well, who would win in a fight? The Jedi Knights or Warhammer 40K? And somebody has to be like, we've explained to you this many times. There's nothing that can handle a 40K universe in a conventional war, right? Unless you're the culture or something out of a, uh, a Nihei comic. I think that was Ask Science Fiction. Ask, ask Science Fiction? Okay, yes. Yeah, I yeah. remember I remember reading about that. It's like, what would happen if a Jedi Knight got, you know, transported to Earth in 40K? And it's like, you know how when Alderaan blew up, Obi-Wan had to like sit down for a moment because he was like, whoa, I just felt a huge disturbance in the Force, right? So like a Jedi apparates on Earth in 40K and just starts screaming in the fetal position and doesn't stop. Like there's yeah. so much death. Sorry, we're going to get a, a creature bigger than Emrakul out of the 40k set? I'm going to go go ahead and say yes. Yes. I hope the commander decks are done by like 40k race that like there's a space marine deck and then like an orc deck. That seems like the most likely that if, if they do two, it'll be like marines and orcs probably. Yeah, that seems right to me. I'm hoping they do at least four because these other races are really cool too. Yeah, well, like I, I was thinking that white would be like the, the, the space marine deck and it would probably have like a lot of probably like generic space marines, but include several commander options that would allow you to play them as like ultramarines or imperial fists or blood angels, right? That seems like kind of a good jumping off place for like a, a start on that design, right? And then you would also have like the Eldar deck, right? And then you could play them as like craft world Eldar or or, or excuse me, Eldari. 
Draft World Eldari or Drukari instead of Dark Eldar, depending on who your commander was. That kind of thing. I wanted to circle back to talking about ruining magic forever. I think these, you know, it's it's doubling down on what they've already showed us with The Walking Dead and with the Godzilla release. But for me, it's like, I don't think any of this is going to break my enjoyment of the game any more than just that first, you know, buy a box picture of Godzilla and there, and like he's climbing up a skyscraper and there's helicopters whirring around him and it's like an official magic card, right? Like that, to me, that's, it's not going to get any worse than that, right? Like for like getting outside of the regular purview of the game, like the, the feel and flavor of the game, like, you know, the 94 aesthetic or whatever. Uh, so anyone who's bothered by these cards would do well to uh, remember that they should have been just as pissed off back in Akoria. <laughs> I mean, how does a squadron hawk carry a sort of body and mind, right? Sure. Yeah, that's that's an equally fair question. Although it's it's at least that's that one's the world of magic's, you know, the magic universe's own problem to to tackle. It's just a that's that's more of a mechanical problem. So I I feel like I my brain files that in a different drawer. Although I also obviously don't have a good answer for you because what what can I say? Those squadron hawks are really good at picking things up with their beak, I guess. I guess. I guess it's just uh, Knife Crow from Vancouver. <laughs> knife Crow, exactly. Hey, sort of body and mind is magical and gets smaller depending on who's grabbing it. Boom, did it. Fair. Okay, I can deal with it. It's still useful for Emrakul to pick up the sword and she's gigantic, right? Yeah. Because the sword gets bigger. The other big, I, I should say, like I, I haven't really formed a strong opinion on this either way or the lord of the rings thing especially since it's going to be a bonus extra set that's not one of the like set, sets going into standard and and lord of the rings fits a lot more neatly than than the walking dead for example the other big news though that came out of the investor event this week is that so hasbro acquired wizards of the coast in 1999 and has been running it as a subsidiary since then which is a separate legal entity and now Wizards of the Coast is going to become a division of Hasbro, which means they are a lot more formally interconnected with Hasbro corporate, probably because Wizards of the Coast is making a ton of money. And I'm like medium concerned. Like, I'm not like, oh, it's all tumbling down, but I'm like, I hope they don't screw it up. Yeah, I mean, like, how much control will Hasbro now be exerting over, like, operations and design yeah. i don't know i don't know i guess we can only wait and see really i feel like the biggest issues that we've had with like kind of you know the hasbro lawyers era of magic cards has been like the story and like which characters they're supporting and not and it seems like they're trying to take a tack that's more popular now but we'll see like you know the forsaken books are still there or whatever for reference Hasbro has reorganized themselves as a company into a total of three divisions. One is consumer products, which is like toys, like traditional Hasbro stuff. Two is entertainment, which is any Hasbro film and television content. And then three is Wizards of the Coast and digital gaming. So like, it's like, well, we got all the toys and then all the TV and stuff and then everything Wizards does. And they're going to be continuing to push for an aggressive digital transformation of the stuff that Wizards makes, not, while not ignoring tabletop, but just also bolstering that other stuff. And there was a statement that CEO Chris Cox made that people were like, wait, hang on, what's going on? Which he later had to clarify, which is saying that, quote, we are going beyond our over 7,000 hobby retail stores and expanding underdeveloped retail channels like direct-to-consumer e-commerce and mass market globally and the clarification is that the word beyond doesn't mean to imply a transition away from the wizards play network but to expand those other channels as well but i mean that probably that just does also mean that there will be less overall focus on the lgs one assumes yeah i mean with the release of secret layer last year and 
and or the year before or whatever it was like we you know we can tell that it's i'm kind of over being mad about it right like hasbro and, and watsi are making money first and like helping out the lgs second or third or fourth or whatever but also during this past year i've really i've gotten comfortable with the notion that paper magic is here to stay and that sort of seems to be like the question that's looming over a lot of these discussions every time that we hear like oh we're gonna we're gonna focus more on the digital products it's like well yeah but paper magic is i mean it's at the heart of wanting to play this game i think for a lot of people like i can't wait to get back into a tournament and as much as i like arena it and it's great and i, I even you know i still play moto sometimes too about magic online but it's not it's not a there's no exchange or sorry it's not a fair substitute you know absence makes the heart grow fonder so i hope hope everyone's coming out of this pandemic feeling like at least that i i want to believe them when they tell me that the, you know the game isn't going all digital or whatever they're not going to stop making paper sets or stop supporting paper events no also wizards has a new logo and it looks like the doctor who logo oh i kind of like it I kind of like it. Okay. Okay. It's, it's different, meaning that obviously that's bad, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to check out some other things that are different and obviously bad, go to cardgeeking.com forward slash LRR and buy whatever magic cards you don't already have. Those ones are different than the ones that you have. <laughs> and therefore they're going to be worse because you already have all the good ones. But hey, let them know we sent you and ask for a one inch button, please. You don't have that one inch button yet. It's going to be worse than the one inch buttons you already have. It says mute. I appreciate what you're going for. Solid transition, honestly, Nelson. Like, not, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But to but to clarify, nothing at Card Kingdom is bad. <laughs> they only sell good things. <laughs> that's that, that's where I was going with that. But that that was really funny. Also, we are supported directly by you. And I guess if we carry this forward, you are the ones who are bad here. <laughs> that's right. But but wait, they're not different. Oh wait, unless throughout this podcast they have become changed now you have to wonder whether the new you is better or worse than the old you i hope it's better it's probably better now you know more about call time yeah and your kind support of our patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run that's gonna do it wait no one more thing we have to remind them that the nickname episode is next week right yes right, so go yes, to yes. lrr.cc slash nicknames and get in your suggestions or vote for the suggestions that you like so you can be part of that process for when we do the nicknames episode next week thanks everybody for listening i have been graham joined by nelson consummate professionalism and cameron help goodbye <laughs> james ran the card reader jordan edits these heather gets these online thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you next time Bye. Bye.